Hi, this is James Shokum, host of Web Comics Reviews and Interviews. Today we're with the creator of Stuffed. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Now it's you. Hi, this is the creator of Stuffed. I'm happy to be here with you today to talk about my comic project. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that comic project? Um, well, basically, it came to me about three years ago. Um, I wanted to create something that was more of had more of a classic comic strip feel, like the good old days, 70s, 80s. And I always liked the idea of, of working with a child's imagination because it provides just this expansive you know, palette where you can explore essentially anything and everything. And the genesis of it was one day in my kitchen, I had this image of this little girl, and this little girl is actually based on a real person, um, had an image of her opening up a present and being so excited by what's inside that she just grabs it and hugs it as hard as it can. And then I just had this this moment in my mind where the, the stuffed animal looks over and says, I can't breathe. Because, you know, that's how little kids, when they, when they when they get something they really love, they just grab it and they squeeze it kind of with all the energy that they have. And it really all started from there. Um, basically, it's about, it's about a collection of plush toys and their observations about the real world around them. Um, it's a little different than, than most comic strips in that they don't really have the ability to directly interact with the environment. So they're kind of like, you know, the embedded observers kind of looking around and seeing the world and in particular the world of this young girl. And that's that's the premise in a nutshell. Okay. And currently it looks like I was only able to do a brief uh, research. It looks like you've got like about five or six characters. There are, well, there's the, the girl, the main character, and then there are basically eight plush toys. Um, not all of them have been introduced yet, but there are eight who will kind of be the primary, you know, supporting cast of this collection. Um, what, what are the particular reasons for any one of those particular animals, like the unicorn, the dragon, and the manicure, as well as Yeti? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that question. Um, what are the basics behind the individual characters? I mean, why were those particular toys chosen? Oh, so I, at one point, they weren't always, you know, as they are now, but at one point I decided it would be kind of interesting if she only collected mythical creatures. Uh, that would that would be a little different rather than, you know, having her have a puppy dog or a cat or what have you. And so I just started thinking about, well, what types of mythical creatures would be interesting for her to have in her collection? And then, you know, dragon came to mind right away, of course, and unicorn for a little girl. And then from there, I just kind of explored and looked at what other types of creatures would be interesting. And I came upon Manicord and Griffin. And and then the most obscure one is this shark god named Kamoho. Um, but basically, it was just a matter of exploring and finding the creatures that I thought would fit well into her collection. And then in terms of developing their personalities, I wanted to have kind of a diverse group that would 
you know, play well off of each other and offer lots of opportunities for humor and whimsy and interesting discussions. And really, the choice, I, my personal favorite is going to be the manicure, just because a lot of people don't usually go with that one as a stuffed animal. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was pretty interesting because, like you said, it's not really out there a lot, and I thought it would be a, a unique addition to the comic strip world. You tend to do a little bit of uh, real life as well as in the bedroom type of stuff. In the bedroom type of stuff? Uh, stuff that's in, I guess, would be in her fantasy world. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I really didn't want to be limited in terms of the type of humor that I did. I want to have a nice mixture of different kinds of humor and different kinds of jokes and just kind of touch on everything in, in her little world, basically. But I wanted to keep it from her perspective. So it's all from the perspective of this little girl kind of looking out, which is one of the reasons that you don't see her parents at all. It's, I kind of wanted to keep it down in her little world. And so, yeah, we do jump in back, back and forth between reality and her fantasy world. And, and that, that will evolve over time. We're still kind of in the introductory period where we're getting to know the characters and establish their relationships. So as we get further along in the story, we'll, we'll spend more time in the fantasy world in different areas. Um, just out of curiosity, any, uh, I want, what kind of uh, fantasy worlds are you going to basically explore? I mean, you're starting to look like you're doing a straight, uh, almost straightforward fantasy, but with a weird twist to it. Yeah, it's, It'll be kind of that that one world will be kind of what you expect from things like dragons and unicorns and manicures. Uh But we'll also branch out into some other uh, tropes that I find interesting. Um, and for right now, I'd like to keep those under wraps, if you don't mind. That's fine. No. Uh, just out of curiosity, why the anonymity with the characters? I mean, instead of most people would actually have names, even the girl is unnamed. Well, she has a name. It just hasn't been revealed yet. And in terms of her stuffed animal collection, she's really young and she just picked obvious names for them. You know, she said, well, you're going to be named Dragon. You're going to be named Unicorn. It was it was basically her choice and part of her personality to name them those things. I mean, is there a stylistic choice or is it just simply the character voicing her opinion? Yeah, that's just... Basically, everything I do is driven by the characters. Like, whenever I make a decision, I think, well, what would that character do? How would that character behave? What would that person say? And when it came to naming them, I, knowing the girl um, as well as I do, I thought, you know, she's just going to call them what they are. She's not really going to come up with these names. So that's why that's why I went with that decision. Okay. You've also got a really nice uh, Sunday comic style. Yeah, like I said... Um, I was looking to kind of return to the classic comic strip feel. So in terms of the daily strips, I've always thought that the focus would be on the writing just, I mean, simply because you're, you're space constrained. But for the Sundays, I always wanted the focus to be on the art. So I'm always thinking of interesting things to do visually when it comes to Sunday layouts and artwork. Yeah, basically it feels like you've got a definite Let's just say it'd be interesting to see a crossover between you and Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> well, I've, I've been influenced by a lot of the classic comics. Like, I, I, when I was young, my first loves were Peanuts and Pogo and Cowboy. 
our side, of course, Calvin and Hobbes. So I've kind of, you know, I kind of come from that classic comic strip background, and that's what I enjoy, and, and that's kind of where my sensibilities lie as a writer. So you know, are you you're doing the art as well as the writing, right? Uh, yes. Um, what kind of artistic background do you have? Just, I guess, always had an interest in visuals and, and wanting to draw, and specifically comic strips. I always thought the art form was kind of a unique medium because. Well, if you consider sequential art versus comic strip art, it's kind of, if you consider sequential art to be poetry, then comic strip art is kind of like a haiku because you have to be so concise and so efficient and economical with everything you're doing. And it provides this unique challenge to how you lay things out and how you draw things. Um, so as, as in terms of a way to express myself artistically. That's why I was always drawn to comic strips in general. So I, I grew up being interested in, in drawing and specifically drawing comic strips. Okay. Have you taken any actual art classes for it or just something you learned on your own? Um, Self-taught and some art classes as well. Okay. I, just because I'm a writer, what kind of script format do you use? What kind of format? Yeah. Could you Basically, everybody has their own individual type of format. Um, if, I'm on, if I'm doing a podcast on my own, for example, I tend to use a bullet list. If I'm doing a comic book, on the other hand, I'll do like a page in a panel type of situation. Then I'll break down the panel by what the people or what happens in the panel, what they say in the captions, and then any uh, sound effects. Oh, sure. I, I use a pretty basic format. So each strip is broken down by panels. And the first thing I do is describe what's visually happening in the panel. And then I write the, the dialogue after that, along with sound effects, action effects, and you know anything else that needs to be drawn in terms of the writing. OK. And do you do any kind of different format when you're doing the Big, uh, big splash pages, or do you just simply just do a splash page? Well, with comic strips, splash pages really aren't an issue. So it's it's mainly just what's happening in the panel. Yeah, I'm just really curious because, like you said, everybody has their own type of format they use, and I was curious how yours, as a person who basically is just doing it by yourself, would change from somebody who's doing it for, you know, as part of something else like a company or something like that. So, I mean, obviously you're not going to be doing the Marvel style. Right. So basically I put everything into the script that I feel is necessary to to communicate the gag effectively and and make sure, and, I, and I, I tend to be very visual in my writing, so I make sure that everything if there's a specific expression that has to be a certain way that's crucial for the gag, then I make sure that I write down the expression in detail so that essentially everything that you need to execute the gag to the best of my ability is, is included in the description. Cool. And do you have any, are you planning to do a lot of arcs or just simply more of a one shot type of deal? 
every panel being its own? Well, it is a it is a daily gag format, but I will have some expanded storylines. I've done a couple already, and I'll do more certainly moving forward. There's always a challenge in making sure that you have humor while you're advancing these stories. That some stories don't lend themselves to having you know a gag at the end of every comic in the final panel. So storylines are always challenging and making them funny as you move through them. Yep, know that feeling. <laughs> and is it, what kind of stuff do you do with the animation? I noticed you had a little bit of that going on as well. Yeah, that was just more of a fun little addition that I wanted to put out there for the fans. Just take a comic and animate it and give it some dynamic life. And it was it was basically just something fun for the readers. And I like setting this these things to music too so it's kind of fun editing and finding the right song and syncing up the cues to the action and the animation i mean it's not it's nothing sophisticated as you can see it's just basically taking the artwork and chopping it up and moving it around a little bit i've seen a little bit worse trust me on that <laughs> so so basically overall you're having a lot of fun doing the writing and the, and the scripting right now yeah, um, it's. I've worked on comic strips before, and overall, I think this is this is the most fun I've ever had working on one. Just because I love this environment, and I really understand the characters, and I I love the, their interactions and kind of the dynamic feel between all of them and the push and pull, and and I feel like this format has a lot of opportunity for exploration. I mean, when you're working with a young child's imagination, you can literally do anything, go anywhere, you know, tell any story you want to. You're, you're really not limited by anything. Um, and as a writer, I, one of the things I always try to guard about against is getting bored. Um, so I need all these different avenues to explore. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I chose this particular format so that I, I don't foresee ever really getting bored with the format and the characters and their world because I can expand it and explore anywhere I want to, basically. Yeah, especially considering you've got the reality and the fantasy going for you. Right. Yeah, one of the things that in a lot of comic strips, it's just the same joke over and over again. I mean, literally, it's the same joke. Like if you have two characters and they have a pretty set dynamic and they're, they're they're having the same interaction every day and the same joke. And I, I couldn't do something like that. I think I would just go insane. Definitely. I mean, it's, you always want to keep it fresh for yourself. Yeah, not only for the readers, but for myself creatively, because once you're no longer interested in writing it, I mean, it, it shows, and it shows in the quality of your work. Um, do you have any kind of character Bible you go with after this? You know, something that has like a lot of different pet poses of the characters and information on the characters? Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the first part of that question. Do you have any kind of character Bible on this on the, on your strip? You know, something that goes with the different poses of the characters or notes on relationships between the characters, that sort of thing? I haven't written something like that yet, but, I mean, I certainly could in the future. I, I like the idea of kind of showing the character development as as it develops. Like the the very first strip was basically Dragon arriving 
in this this family. So he's kind of the new person, and he and he's getting to know the other characters along with the reader. I like I like taking the readers along a journey um, with one of the characters in that way. So I thought that was a pretty interesting device for me, at least, a way to introduce the readers at the same time that Dragon is being introduced to this world and its and its people. Yeah, definitely. Dragon's definitely part of the more interesting interaction, especially when he's foiled off of uh, Unicorn. Yeah, the Dragon and Unicorn—they'll always be kind of the main, the main pair. I mean, you've got that nice cynical versus that idealism going on right there. Right. On one level, Dragon is personality-wise, Dragon is like a young puppy with infinite energy who's excited. For everything, and Unicorn is kind of like the elder cat who's you know seen it all and just wants to kind of relax and be left alone. And so you have the you know excitable, overexcited puppy dog and the kind of grumpy old cat interaction between the two of them. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's been sort of fun to see Unicorn every so often lower his guard just a little bit and see what happens from there. So. Yeah, one of the dynamics there. And that it isn't explicitly stated, but the idea is that Unicorn was the girl's favorite before Dragon came along. So Unicorn is kind of dealing with the only child syndrome of having to having to put up with this new sibling all of a sudden, and suddenly she's not the only one getting attention from the girl. And that's that's essentially why she's kind of been on the grumpy side in the early going of the of the strip. And yet he's also sort of fun. He's basically coming off as the person who wants to do this, that, and the other thing, or act basically within his trope, but at the same time he keeps getting stymied on it. Yeah, yeah, there are lots of opportunities like that to have the characters play off of each other. That was one of the things I was hoping to create when I considered what would make for interesting personalities in all of these plush toys. You know, how, how can I create interesting tension and compatibility and incompatibility between all of them to make just to make their interactions fun and funny and whimsical okay and uh, what kind of personality would you say Manicor has he is well he's smart he's quick witted and he's kind of he's a fan of kind of the you know smart remark so he's kind of a a wise guy and I mean he's friendly but he's a little full of himself as well cool and of course he's going to make some interesting interactions with the other two because you've got that little bit of a, a little bit of an arrogance going there with a little bit of the cynicism the idealism and of course just somebody who's a little not quite sure of who he is right and the the characters who have yet to be introduced, I think they'll provide a little more interesting dynamics as far as a group is concerned because we haven't really gotten into Griffin or Minotaur or Kamoho yet. But they'll they'll have some different elements in their personality that I think will make the group even more dynamic. How much of the character, or sorry, backing up half a step, how much of the character's personalities make them more of a splinter of the girl's personality? Well, I think one of the mysteries of the comic that 
will try to keep going is that you're not really sure if these characters are coming from her imagination or if they simply are, right? I mean, are the voices coming from her or are the voices coming from the toys? I don't think I make that very explicit purposefully. And I kind of like that mystery. I mean, it affords me some interesting opportunities as a writer. Another one of the mysteries is, is can she hear them when they're talking? And I try to be careful about giving too much in that regard. So are there personalities coming from her or are they just coming from the toy themselves? I think that's, I think that's an unanswered question that I will leave unanswered. You actually did a pretty good job with that. I mean, there's been a lot of times where there's, you're not sure if they actually are having a conversation or not with the girl in question. Right, and that's intentional. Which has been sort of fun to have uh, Dragon and Unicorn, for example, being it, carrying on a conversation. And she's obviously clueless to it. Right. But is she clueless? Can she hear it or can she not hear it? That's, I, I like leaving that ambiguous. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens when they start getting a little bit more uh, closer con confined. No. Sir, confined how? Uh, one of the arc, one of the strips I noticed was the uh, when they were going into space. Oh, the yeah, the one where she is was watching sci-fi movies with her grandfather. That one. Yeah, that yeah. led into a situation with her wearing the astronaut's helmet and that's so that sort of thing. Right. Right. So. Like I said, it's, it's, it's coming out to be a very interesting script, to say the least. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I wanted to capture the imagination of readers and have them be interested in this world and exploring with them. And I really just wanted to inject humor and whimsy. I, I don't feel like there is enough of that in the comic strip world. At least not the kind of whimsy that I enjoy personally. I mean, it's all about, as a writer, it's really all about making yourself laugh and making yourself creating situations that you enjoy that, that, that you think are fun and interesting. Right. Yeah, it definitely has been an uptick on the uh, cynicism just a little bit, but I think that's because the comic books are starting to get a little bit older and maturing a little bit. Right. Um. Sorry, it's really hard for me to differentiate between uh, a straight, uh, basically the funny pages type of comics and the stuff you see in a comic book. Sure, and, and there are also there are differences between like your typical comic strip and your typical web comic online. I mean, and I, I kind of just wanted to do something that was interesting to me, and it's it's nice for now to be digital in terms that I can just kind of explore anywhere I want to go. And I'm not really limited by space constraints, although I, I am trying to keep in, in mind how the strips are laid out because my ultimate goal is to be in newspapers someday. Right. Have you applied it all yet or is it just something you still, you just want to do? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, sent submissions into syndicates yet. I'm still kind of building up my library to 
to kind of get, well, I want to get to the point where all of the, the plush toy characters have been introduced and I've explored their relationships a little bit. And then I'll look at, you know, putting together a group of strips that I think best exemplifies the spirit of Stuffed. And then I'll send them out to the syndicates. Yeah. Of course, the obvious word of advice is don't get too comfortable. Just uh, You have to stop preparing at some point. But that's the point you're going to have to figure out on your own. Yeah, I think I think I'll have a really good idea when I'm ready. I'm not not too worried about that. I have submitted to syndicates before, so I know what the mix needs to be like, and I just want to make sure that when I do send in a group of strips, that it's my absolute best work. Oh, definitely. I think you'll definitely I think you'll definitely have some interesting stuff to put in for that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's. It's interesting when you start a project like this. When you start, you you have a good idea of what the characters are like and what the project will be like. But as you get further in, into it and you're writing more and exploring more, then it all kind of crystallizes more and you have a better feel for the world. And eventually you kind of, if you're lucky, you, you kind of, you understand the world and you understand better where you want to take it and how you want it to be and how you want the characters to interact. And once you kind of get to that point where you really know the characters and you really know their interactions, then it's it becomes really fun writing it and, and thinking of different and interesting situations to put them in. Yep. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever heard of a webcomic called Sluggy Freelance? Yes, I do recall that from, it's been around a while, hasn't it? Yep. I think I, I took a look at it years ago. I haven't seen it recently, though. I was just curious because in terms of character development, that your script sort of reminds me of that one. Uh, just because it took like forever to get the characters actually gelled to where the, art, the writer was actually happy with it. Yeah, well, I think that's an ongoing process for all writers. I mean, I think <laughs> just finding the place where you're happy with who they are and how they're interacting and you know how they're growing and it's it's a, it can be a long process because really learning characters inside and out takes time i mean and with some characters you're not really sure who they are until you start writing them and putting them out there like for example yeti who is one of my favorite characters i really i had some trouble forming his personality until I wrote the very first strip and his first line was something like behold colorful horned mule it is I the enigmatic yeti and as soon as I wrote that first line it was like his whole personality just it was just there all of a sudden I'm like oh, okay there's yeti and it just took writing that one line for his personality to just kind of reveal itself I'm like okay that's that's who I'm looking for have you had about the same success with the other characters, or have you able to had you uh, step back and let the character build into it a little bit more? Well, Dragon and Unicorn, they were the first two uh, characters to develop, and they were they were both pretty obvious to me. I really didn't have to work on them at all. But in terms of the rest of the supporting cast, I had to kind of think about like Yeti. I struggled with until I wrote his first strip and then everything kind of fell into place. And then the others, once you know what characters you already have, 
you want to create characters that will complement the existing ones without repeating anything. So I thought about Manicor and Griffin and Minotaur and just different, you know, characteristics that they could bring to play that would make the, the group more interesting. And at the same time that I was writing current comics, I was also planning to introduce them. The nice thing about taking your time like that is, you know, you don't have to rush. You can kind of let the, the personalities reveal themselves as you're developing them. So I haven't really the only personality I struggled with so far was Yeti. And it, it was only a struggle, like I said, until I wrote that first comic for him. And then his personality was pretty obvious. Yeah, you can definitely see that complementary concept going on, especially with Manicore, who's sort of a uh, sort of a hybrid between basically because of that sarcasm he's got going for him. He's sort of an interesting. He's got a little bit of idealism from Dragon, but he's also got the a little bit of cynicism from Unicorn. So it's sort of interesting. Right. When I when I develop personalities, one of the things I like to do is I think about what famous actor playing a role would sound right in that personality. And so whenever I'm writing all these scripts, I'm hearing these famous people saying their lines. And Manicore for me was always kind of um, Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I think I think that personality is what comes through Manicore. Cool. Because he's, he's smart, but he's... You know, he's got kind of an edge, and he's kind of sarcastic and kind of the, the wise guy. Cool. Yeah, and like I said, I definitely love the art style as well. It's just on that really nice edge where it's not too – it's nice and simple, but not too simple. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the uh, the art right now. I think it, it could take some time to, to get to a place where you feel like the art – is reflective of the world that you want to create and I mean it took me a while but right now I feel like the art is exactly what I had always envisioned for Stuffed. Cool and because we do a lot of weird stuff on this podcast um, how's the marketing been for Stuffed? So I started on Facebook and for me, I mean, it seemed like an easy way to, to get the comic scene because on Facebook you can kind of find other people who love comics. And in terms of organic growth, it's a good place because, you know, people share your comics and other people will like them, see them, and then they share them. And then I expanded to uh, Webtoons and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Instagram is where I've actually seen the strongest organic growth of anywhere. I mean... Initially, it was kind of slow over there, but then things really took off. And now Instagram is growing the fastest of any social media platform by far. And it's 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 been kind of the best way for me to, to share the comic with the world. When, when I look at one of the things I love about Instagram is you can kind of scroll down a list of people who are following you and and see all the people from all over the world, all different ages and backgrounds. It's really exciting to see so many people, you know, just enjoying your work. I mean, that's really what it's all about as a comics creator. You want to create something that brings people laughter and joy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, you're definitely doing that. 
Well, uh, I would hope so. That's the whole. That's the whole. <laughs> and definitely, Instagram. I would see is definitely your strongest marketing tool, just because, like you said, it's a visual-based product when it comes down to it. So. Right. Facebook. Um, it grew pretty fast at first, but it slowed down now. Whereas Instagram seems to be the the inverse. It seems to be picking up, speeding up. Um, especially over the past couple of months, I've seen huge growth on Instagram. Yeah, a lot of people have noticed that uh, advertising on Facebook tends to plateau after a little while. Yes, and I've also noticed on Facebook that it seems over time that it shows your comic less and less to the people who are following your page. Like you really have to work on getting your comic seen, even by the folks who have liked the page and see it in their feed. Yeah, I can, I, there's. I want to see there's other things on that one because you've got the problem that a lot of people, especially like me, tend to have a, follow a lot of people. Sure. And after a while, you've got so many people you're you and you tend to add on to that those numbers of followers and friends over time. Right. So, it, yeah, it creates some interesting issues. <laughs> but I've I've noticed. Well, of course, if people, what there's a setting for following where you can say see first, and so that's a way for them never to miss an update. And I've had a, I've had a bunch of readers, you know, send me messages and ask, well, how can I make sure I, I see every comic? And I just say, well, if you set to follow with see first, every time I post a comic, you'll see it up near the top of your feed, and you won't have to worry about it. But I think a lot of people, they just, you know, they like it, and then they see a couple, but then they kind of forget about it because it gets buried in their feed, as you say. Right. Um, also notice you're doing a lot of interesting merchandise. Yes. Well, when I decided on plush toys, it was kind of obvious that, you know, I could create plush toys and I wasn't really planning on doing much merchandising at the start, but a couple months in, I had so many requests from readers to have, you know, to buy an actual dragon or unicorn plush toy that I wanted to provide that for them. So I, I looked at some different resources and eventually I went with the Beverly Hills teddy bear company and I think they did a fantastic job of creating dragon unicorn and Yeti yeah they look like some incredible toys yeah I've, I've actually I mean I've seen the prototype and I've seen I've seen the first few to come off the line and they're really high quality toys they're soft and and excellent material so I've been I've been really happy with that whole endeavor I mean it takes a lot of time I'm spending lots of time on you know not only creating the comic but managing social media and putting the merchandise together so it's it's it can get a bit overwhelming in terms of an enterprise oh definitely uh, just out of curiosity what was what's the startup cost on the plushies I know I'm I know you should be curious but well you need to you need to place a minimum order first of all, in order for them to do a custom job like that for you. So if you want to do one plush toy, and mine aren't huge, they're probably, Dragon is probably about a foot long, and maybe 10 inches high, maybe 8 inches high. So, I mean, he's, he's a decent size, but he's not huge. And so there's always a prototyping fee, and I think, as I recall, his prototyping fee was like $350, and so that's just to you know, for them to mock up one and get it to meet all of your specifications. And then their minimum order was a thousand units. 
and that cost, I think it was around $7,000. So for just, just one toy, just one custom toy, you're, you're looking at at least six, $7,000, depending on who you go with. Yeah. But I wanted I wanted to make sure the the quality was excellent, so I wanted to make sure that I spent the money to get it done right and well. I didn't want people to get all these plush toys and, and be disappointed with with their quality. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm used to people doing mostly print on demand type stuff, which simplifies a lot of the the process. So. Right. It was sort of interesting to see somebody actually do something a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, well another another pro of going that way is the profit margins a little better for me so I can keep the prices low. I mean when you when you use one of these other services like I've started using Redbubble, I think that's the name of it, Redbubble, to produce, you know, like um, stickers and notebooks and bags. I mean they take the vast majority of the profit and I'm only making, you know, a couple few dollars on on each sale. So the nice thing about doing it all yourself is you make more profit, but then again, you know, you're doing a lot more of the work as well. Yeah, that's like uh, that's why a lot of people tend to prefer the print on demand, especially right. once their comic really starts taking off. Right. So, which brings up the fun question of just how successful has stuff been so far, if you don't mind. Well, I I have to say I've been very surprised. I wasn't expecting this kind of response. I mean, you always hope for this kind of response, but it was definitely surprising. When I so I launched in August of last year, so we're coming up on 11 months, and so we just passed 200,000 followers on social media. So that's Facebook, Webtoons, and Instagram combined. So I've I've been really shocked by the kind of response it's received, but I mean, it, it's, it's what I wanted, right? I, I, I wanted to put something out there that people could really enjoy and, and get excited about. It's all about comic strips for me is all about just having that little moment of magic in your day. When I grew up as a child, just that excitement, knowing that I could go and open up the newspaper and or online eventually and know that, you know, there's a Bloom County waiting for me or a Calvin and Hobbes or Zitz or whatever. And, and it was just that kind of that little moment of pure joy in your day where you knew that you were going to enjoy something and laugh and smile. And that's kind of, for me, that's what the magic of comic strips, part of what the magic is for that whole medium, because it's just something you look forward to every day and something you get familiar with the characters and you're kind of invested in them and their world. And, and I wanted to provide something like that, something magical and whimsical and fun and funny that people could really enjoy and just bring a moment of happiness every day. Cool. All right. And I guess the obligatory, what do you see as the future for stuffed? And you don't have to be ultra specific on this top one, obviously. Sure. Well, when I created it, my goal was to get it seen by as many people as possible. So newspaper syndication remains, you know, something, a potential goal. But I'm, I'm currently having a pretty good amount of success online. So I think that's one of the reasons I'm not in a hurry to, to submit to a syndicate. I mean, things are going really well on Facebook and Instagram and and even with selling merchandise, so there is a little bit of money coming in. I mean, I'm, I'm still spending more than I'm making, 
but there is some money coming in. So that's why I'm not really, I'm not in a hurry to, to get connected with a syndicate, but I would eventually like to, I mean, I, I designed it to be, I designed it to be, you know, interesting to every type of person, at least as much as I could. Basically it's, it's written for adults who are still children at heart or know a kid who is like her and people who just still have that connection with kind of the wonder and the imagination of childhood. And it really, I, th I feel like it has universal appeal. And when I look at, you know, the people, the readers who, who follow the comic, I, I feel like I may have tapped into that. And that that's where most of the gratification comes from knowing that I produced what I wanted to produce and it's having the desired effect on lovers of comic strips. You know, I want, I want stuff to be some, something that, comic strip readers are excited to read every day and excited to read the next day, the day after that. So in terms of the future, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I have a plan in terms of kind of the, the long-term plot, but it will, I mean, in general, it will remain a, a daily gag comic, but I will develop things further and take things in new directions slowly though. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying taking my time, so I'm not in a rush to get anywhere in terms of story development. Cool. And I guess the, now I give you the op opportunity to do the obligatory plug. So Stuffed is, at least in my view, Stuffed is a throwback to the classic comics of the 70s and 80s. It's, it's about childhood wonder and magic and I try to give it a sense of whimsy and fun and, and humor, but intelligent humor. I'm not really a fan of lowest common denominator um, jokes and gags, so I try to make sure there's some intelligence and wit in the humor. But of course, I'm not above doing something totally silly and goofy too. So I just, I wanted to create a world where that you just kind of enjoy watching this girl's world through the eyes of her plush toy collection and where you can kind of travel along with her as she she rides through her imaginary worlds with all of her friends and and just laugh and smile and, and enjoy the life that they all have together. Cool. And of course, obligatory uh, URLs. So the main location where you can find me is on the Facebook page and that's um, facebook.com stuffed the comic all one word and then basically on all social media it's stuffed the comic all one word so Instagram Twitter Facebook and on webtoons if you search on stuffed it is usually the first one that comes up in the search results Okay. And you have a separate merch page? Oh, yes. Uh, the online store is stuffedthecomic.com. Excellent. So, all right. I guess that pretty much wraps up anything else. Unless you have something extra to say? I don't. It's been really great talking to you, and I enjoy the opportunity to discuss stuffed. Cool. Obligatory uh, for my plug, obviously, is that if you're like the podcast and you want to support it, please set, go over to patreon.com slash two sparrows, T-W-O, 
and join up. There's all sorts of tips and tricks for writing and art, as well as other miscellaneous stuff like show notes and other weirdness. So with that, have a good evening, and I'll talk to you.